well do you handle change? Yes, that's right, I said that word, that big, scary word, change. Right? Well, no one likes change, right? I think as we, we think about change, we recognize that change, it can be negative sometimes, it can have negative consequences, and, and sometimes it also can be positive. We, we know that sometimes change is necessary and important, but even when you recognize that change is positive, are you still hesitant? Are you still reluctant to actually see change happen and come about in your life? I think all of us, we probably would prefer to continue to exist in just a steady, calm environment. When you think about emotions and our feelings, those are probably sometimes at their highest intensity levels when there's those big changes that come into our life. And maybe it's a marriage, a move, the miracle of birth, those major life changes that are positive, and then there's negative ones too. A death, a divorce, a disaster that strikes your home. How do you handle change? And those changes that I just mentioned, those are probably the ones that we are most acutely aware of. We are most sensitive to them because they directly impact our life. But I actually want to talk to you about bigger and, and broader changes, the, the changes that happen on cultural and national and, and global levels. I just quickly perused Google's year in search for the last couple of years. There's been a lot of changes. We've had to deal with pandemic-induced shutdowns, Changes in political leaders. There's been all kinds of things that have happened in the last couple of years. There's Russian aggression that has resulted now in, in six months of war in Ukraine. Famines that are exacerbated in other places of the world. Fires that raged in California and Australia. Drama in Britain's royal family. All kinds of changes. And those headlines, those were just merely a tiny little snippet of the things that have happened in the last couple of years. What if we went back five years? What if we looked over the last ten years and looked at all the changes that have happened in our world? And in all this change, do you sometimes find that your head spins a little bit as you try to figure out how to navigate all of it, what you th should think about it. Are you sometimes confused? Wondering how you should react, what, what you should do to respond. 
And as you look out at this world, if sometimes you're confused, I want you to know it's okay. I am too. I mean, change comes at us at such a lightning fast pace. What is right today could be wrong tomorrow. The transition from being applauded and and honored to vilified and despised can happen overnight. Morality flip-flops back and forth depending on who's in power, who's in control, who's speaking, what they're saying. How can we possibly navigate all of that? How can we teach our, our children to navigate all of that? And when we think about all of the change that we see just in the last few years, maybe it seems a little foolish that we would turn to a letter that was written nearly 2,000 years ago for advice. But I think what you'll discover today is that the Apostle Paul, as he wrote this letter, was prescient in what he wrote. And it makes sense because he had the backing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I think you'll discover that the words that he wrote to young Pastor Timothy are words that God wants to use to encourage and to help you as you navigate change and confusion. But before we actually get to the advice that Paul gives to us, let's just make sure that we want to listen. Listen to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 3. He said, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Paul knew what would come. Paul knew what we would experience because Paul knew human nature. And it's important that we understand that this tendency that Paul talks about here, it's not just out there in the world, but it's, it's right here. It's in my heart and in your heart too. Now our hearts have a tendency not to want sound doctrine. Not to put up with sound doctrine. And can we just talk about those two words for a second? You hear doctrine and you think what? You think church? You think religion? You think a pastor standing up in front teaching a group of people, an audience, what's taught in a classroom at a church, creeds and the statements of faith? And that's all true. That's all part of doctrine. We have those. We have our statements of faith. We put them on our website. I talk about them in in classes that I teach. But do we unnecessarily limit this if we only associate doctrine with religion? That word means teachings. It means the things that we learn, that we come to accept as truth, that will guide our life, on which we'll base the decisions that we make for how we live. 
And those might come from anywhere. They don't have to come from religion, per se. And it's not really about the source, but it's about the quality. Are they sound teachings? Sound doctrine? Are they healthy? Are they beneficial? Are are they going to allow me to live a positive life and make a positive impact in my world? And we have a tendency to seek out teachings that are unhealthy. To push aside moral truth and, and seek out some other kind of truth that sounds better to us. You know, Paul says that we would gather people around us, other teachers, to suit our own desires. People who will say what we want to hear, who will affirm the truth that we want to live by. Google whatever your chosen truth is. You may have to get to page two or maybe even page three of the search results, but you'll probably find 10 or 12 people who will affirm that truth for you. But does that mean that it's right? it's truth. And part of this confusing world is because culturally, truth has continued to be relative. Facebook will do it for you. I'm going to sign up, put in your interests, put in your affiliations, and their algorithm will connect you with the people who are going to say the things that you'll like. but it might not be truth. And so Paul's words here, they make it clear that was already happening in the first century, but I think it seems amplified now in our 21st century, in our digital age, which makes life all the more confusing because our itching ears, they want to hear what pleases us, whether it is myth or not. Even if in the end, it will disappoint and confusion reigns. So what does Paul say to do? Paul says, to navigate confusion, you stand in the truth. That's what he began with. He said, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, Paul says, stand in the presence of God. There's some really bold claims that Paul makes with that statement right there. He makes the bold claim that there is a God, there is a supreme being, divine, who is above all the universe. He has created it, he has designed it for his purposes, and he demands obedience. And Jesus is his Christ, his chosen one, the one that he has sent. And this Jesus will come to judge all people. We will all stand before him. 
Paul talks that we know that this is the truth because of his appearing. That Jesus has already come. He lived. He died. He rose. He was victorious. And he will come again. It is the Christian creed as we follow after Christ. And Paul will not argue whether that is true or not because he accepts it as fact. And when Jesus came in this appearing, he came to usher in his kingdom. And his kingdom is about truth. His kingdom is about grace. It's about love. It's about justice. It's about what is right and wrong. And he has come to call you into his kingdom. Because in Jesus' kingdom, there are promises for you. Promises of his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness. The truth that you have been invited into that kingdom by God's grace. That has covered over your every time that your heart strayed away from sound doctrine and healthy teaching. And so Paul says, navigate confusion by standing in the truth. I have to share with you this week. I was in a conversation with somebody that wanted to meet with me about a situation they're facing. And it was confusing. There were no answers that I could give for why this was happening or, or exactly what would stop it, why they needed to suffer through this challenge that they were facing they didn't want to face. How do you navigate that? Well, we stood in the presence of God. We stood in His truth and His promises. We went to God's Word. Because that's how you navigate confusion. And, and you handle change as you remember your charge. When you stand in the truth and you stand in the presence of God, then you can handle change when you remember your charge. Paul continued, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. No, 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 Pastor Kevin. I can read. That's Paul's charge to Timothy, not me. Right? And you're right. Timothy had a, a very specific role, a very specific public calling to be a pastor of those area churches where he was serving, but I think this charge applies to me. And it applies to you, too, because you have a charge. It is given to you from the calling that you receive from Jesus, your Savior himself, as he has called you into his kingdom. From his very lips he has spoken that you are to go out and you are to teach and make disciples. And so God has put you in your life. He has given you people to lead, to serve, and to love to encourage and to teach. It might be your family. It, it might be a, another Christian, a brother or sister in Christ that you can encourage. 
It might be your coworker or your neighbor or your friend, but God has given you people to lead, and it is a privilege of His grace. You have this charge from your Savior. You have the charge to preach the Word. That very Word of truth that will help us to navigate confusion, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can speak of His appearing. That he came to this earth as that newborn baby, that he lived a righteous life in place of every single one of us, that he went to the cross to die the death that we deserved, and that he rose again victorious from the grave. And through that message, he delivers forgiveness, and he draws us into his kingdom to live as his own children, a life of compassion, grace, and truth. And Paul, Paul encourages you to do that in season and out of season. Well, we live in Texas, so we know it's going to be blazing hot in the month of August. We don't really have seasons, but we know it's going to be blazing hot in the month of August. And we know that it's probably going to be fairly nice in January we're getting prepped for hurricane season right now. At least you should be, right? It actually started on June 2nd. goes all the way to November 30th. It would be out of season for us to experience a hurricane in February. And it would be almost as weird as having a snowstorm and an ice storm that takes the Texas power grid offline in February. It would be confusing because it's out of season. Paul's telling you whether this life makes sense or it is completely confusing to you to be prepared. And the way that you are prepared is through God's Word. Standing in His truth and being ready to speak it. Be prepared with that essential supply. And that word of truth allows us to then correct and rebuke and encourage. Do you notice the order that Paul puts those in? Correct is first. Rebuke comes next. And then encourage. We're all sinful. We all get it wrong at times. We all want to go our own way, and sometimes it isn't even the same way. We need sound, healthy truth to correct us, to steer us back, put us on course. We need others to do that for us, and we need to do it for others as we come back to the source of truth. And when you do that, when you correct, and, and when you rebuke, and when you encourage, Paul tells you to do it with great patience. And very careful instruction. If Paul and Timothy were confused in the first century, and if you and I are confused at times in the 21st century, and we have a foundation of truth on which we can stand, can you imagine how confusing this life is for somebody who doesn't have that?
who doesn't have a foundational truth in which they can stand, who's never heard of the love of Jesus before, can we show empathy for them? And make sure that as we teach, as we correct, as we rebuke, as we encourage, that we do so with great patience and very careful instruction. And to do it with patience and careful instruction because this is so important. Paul gives us a huge why in his own confession at the end. He said, the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. If this life is confusing, and it makes us long for Jesus coming again, that is a very good thing. And if this life is confusing, it's okay because we don't live for this life. We don't live for this place. We live for Jesus' kingdom. We live for the crown of righteousness that he will place on us. And so, like Paul, we're going to fight the good fight. We're, we're going to run the race. We can run that race even when, when the course is so confusing because we can keep our eyes on the finish line. And when we have finished, you will receive that crown of righteousness, not because you have fought so hard, not because you have run so well, but because Jesus, the righteous one, will be standing before you to hand it to you as the greatest gift of his grace. And that's ours, freely. And there's no confusion about that because Jesus has made it clear in his promises to you. His truth, his kingdom, never changes. And he provides the steady, calm environment of his own peace as we stand in his truth.